giving just a portion back to the Yaslim Minch Orphanage or the, 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 the funds, Lord, I pray that would be to your glory. That work would be done which increases um, the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Um, my name is Ben Gandy, and I am, in, I am in my second year at Calvin Seminary of four years. I have lived in West Michigan. I, I, was, I was raised in England, but I've lived in West Michigan from um, basically from Calvin College, then uh, through up to now in Calvin Seminary. And my wife, Lindsay, and I met uh, at Calvin College, as happens sometimes. It's a blessing to be with you here tonight. Um, this is my second time with you, and I thank you for um, having me back. We will be reading from Hebrews chapter 2. Does, is everyone able to kind of see a Bible or um, have a Bible around them? Thank you very much. I, we're going to be referring back to the passage, so if you could kind of keep it open, um, that would be that would be very helpful. So Hebrews chapter 2, starting at verse uh, 10. We'll be starting at verse 10. This is the word of the Lord. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Now, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And he will free those who all their lives were held in slavery, were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Will you, let's, let's just pray before we begin. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we know that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth, every word that we read in this book. So Lord, we pray for your spirit to come and open our hearts and our souls Open our minds and our ears to hear what you have to say to us. Not what Ben has to say, but what you have to say to us, Lord. May our, our hearts be on flame and our, our eyes be focused once again on the merciful and faithful high priest, Jesus Christ. 
It is in his name that we pray. Amen. That summer day would prove to be unlike any other summer day. It's nice to think of summer days when that's happening too, but that summer day would prove to be unlike any summer day. Giant parties spontaneously started out in the streets. I mean, these are, like, people were, were crying in, with each other and, and, and tears of joy. They were slapping each other on the backs and, and giving high fives, literally yelling from the rooftops. There's an account of a young boy, probably about your age, Evan, and he was playing uh, baseball with his friends outside in the city of Chicago. Right? And he remembers that all of a sudden, grown women came out of their house hitting pots and pans as if they were drums. He remembers his mother made a beeline for him and picked him up, crying and jumping with him in, in her arms. And the thing is, this didn't only happen in Chicago. It's probably happened in Detroit, probably happened in New York, San Francisco, and it actually didn't only happen in the United States. It happened in Europe, happened in the Philippines, probably happened in South Africa, Egypt, all over the world. Perhaps one of the most famous pictures that captured this moment, these, this joy, is, is this picture. It's, it's a picture of a young American sailor bending this woman back. You know, she's wearing a white dress, and he kisses her. The date was August 14th, 1945. It was the day the Empire of Japan announced its intention to surrender unconditionally after the, de- the deaths of 30 million people and 50 to 55 million civilians, World War II was finally coming to a close. It was a momentous day because it changed the course of history for the whole world. I, I have the utmost respect for those who have lived, and have fought, and have died during the wars this country has been involved in. We, we ought to be so thankful for the sacrifice that they, have, that they have given, right? But I want to ask you tonight, do um, we remember the momentous, the, the mom, do we understand the momentous significance of the day that, we just, that just passed us, Christmas? I know it's January, but I, I want to revisit this. We, I mean, we just passed through the Christmas season, it's a busy season. Maybe we, we uh, put up nativity sets. Maybe we saw a pageant put on by children. Maybe even we read Luke 1 and 2 as a family tradition. We, we see in our minds this little baby child, this Jesus born in a manger, poor and lowly. But do we actually stop to think about why he came and what would eventually happen did I even stop to think, about, to think about why Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, was born? The truth is, that day that we celebrate, Christmas, changed history because of the reason that Jesus was born. And you, you are a blessed congregation, because I know Pastor Tony preached on it before Christmas. But I love Christ so much that I want to talk about him afterwards, too. So, for a moment tonight, I want to take us back to that that day, last month, and examine it. And I want to ask two questions of it. 
What just happened? And what is the reason for Christmas? What just happened? And what is the reason for Christmas? And I, I want to look at it um, in th- three parts. First, Christmas is for a distinct people. Christmas is for a distinct people. Secondly, Christmas occurred through specific means. And lastly, Christmas exists for a certain result. A distinct people through specific means for a certain result. Okay? Um, we read through chapter 2, ten, we read chapter 2, verses 10 through 18, but I'd really like to focus on verses 14 through 17. Please, if you are able to follow along, that would be great. And we're going to see that verses 14 and 15, and six, uh, that 14 and 15 complement uh, verses 16 and 17. They kind of mirror each other, um, and that's a good thing. See, the, the writer, it's not an accident. The writer to the Hebrews actually really wants to get it. So he says it twice. It's a lot like what Lindsay does to me. She really wants me to get it, so she says it twice, don't you? I love you. So firstly, Christmas happened for a distinct people. Look at those, uh, look at those two parts of the verses. Verse 14 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, and then later on, um, for surely it is not angels he helps. This is verse 16. It is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Flesh and blood. Blood and flesh. That just means that they're humans. An obvious point is, I, well, some of you probably have uh, pets that you love. I have two Australian shepherds who are naughty and wonderful. Uh, my parents have a cat that they love. Lindsay's, Lindsay's parents have beef cattle, some of whom they love dearly and some of whom are very tasty. But Christmas isn't for them. My dogs, my dogs don't care if it's Christmas. Beef cattle don't know if it's December 25th or January 10th. But we humans have acknowledged that this day is different. There's a stirring in our hearts that Christmas is kind of unlike it's, it's unlike other days. And even in countries that do not celebrate Christmas, Japan, Japan doesn't celebrate Christmas. It's a working day for them. But even in Japan, there they recognize that trade and commerce has stopped in other parts of the world, so they slow their rhythm just for a day. So Christmas is for humans, but more specifically, which humans? The writer to the Hebrew says that Christmas is not for the angels in verse 15, but for Abraham's descendants. Now, what does that mean, Abraham's descendants? And for that, we've got we've we've to take a trip back to the Old Testament. You remember Abraham. Abraham, um, he, was a, he was a, well, he would be a very old person, but he lived long, long time ago, and he was in a relationship with God. He was in a covenant, um, just a binding relationship with God. And God said to him, Abraham, I love you, and I make this promise to you. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. You will have so many descendants, they'll be like the sand on the seashore, and you cannot count them. And indeed, Abraham had many children, and his children had many children, but they went through slavery and oppression. They were held in captivity many times, many, many times. But God still kept his promise. God still kept his promise. 
I mean, listen to this from Isaiah 41. The prophet says, You descendants of Abraham, I took you from the ends of the earth. I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wonderful words. But what does it have to do with Christmas? Well, later on in the Bible, in Galatians 3, Paul, the Apostle Paul, translates what that means for us and for Christmas. He says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Christmas happens specifically for the seed of Abraham. And if you belong to Christ, if you trust in Jesus and put your faith in him, Christmas is for you. Christmas is God strengthening and helping us. Christmas is God upholding us with his, with his righteous right hand. So Christmas is history changing for humans, for the world, but it's more specifically life changing for the seed of Abraham or what we call ourselves, Christians. It's not, it's not because we're better than other people. And it's not because we deserve this incredibly privileged position. It's because, like Andrew said right at the beginning, God was rich in mercy, and he chooses to have mercy on, on us who definitely don't deserve mercy. That, that's pure and simple. I have some friends, and I'm, maybe you do too, who would say, God loves everyone. And since God loves everyone, he sent Jesus into the world as a little baby, and therefore Christmas is for everyone. The writer to the Hebrews says something different, though. The writer to the Hebrews makes it very clear, actually. He says, eight pounds, six ounce, sweet little baby Jesus was born for the church. For those who know and believe on the Lord Jesus. The help Christ offers is for Abraham's descendants. Abraham's descendants. It's for you and I and us alone. And that's hard to swallow. It doesn't sound, that doesn't seem fair. But friends, if we got what was fair and just, there would be no hope for us. Grace is not fair. What does Paul say? Paul says again in Ephesians 2, what we read, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this isn't anything that you did. It is the gift of God. Or in the gospel of John, John says, who all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is a great mystery, friends. Why only us? Why only certain? Have you ever wondered why only certain people? The answer is, I don't know. But like a little cup, like a little cup, um, if we are like a little cup and God's knowledge is like a fire from a fire hydrant, right? There's only so much this little cup, only so much water that this cup can hold. God's knowledge is too grand. It's too big. There's so much of it that we just can't 
hold it all. It's too great. There's just, it's, there's just some things that are beyond, beyond our understanding. We just cannot comprehend why some people receive this grace and others do not. Let me just finish this off by saying, um, quoting John Owen. John Owen is a Puritan theologian, theologian um, and he's, I, I, my brother-in-law is named after John Owen. His name is John Owen Benton. And I thought I'd pick up John Owen and read some John Owen, and it's really hard stuff to read. Um, so it's not like beach reading. I'm just, I'm just warning you. I, I had trouble. It's, anyways, the one phrase that stuck out that I can actually understand from John Owen is this. God's grace is sufficient for all who have faith and believe. But God's grace is efficient only for those who are children. That's the believers in the church. We could be ever so thankful that out of sheer grace, Christmas, Jesus coming into the world affects us. We are the recipients of grace. And don't ever forget that Christmas is a gift for this people. So first, Christmas is a gift for those distinct people. Secondly, Christmas occurred through a specific through specific means. Look at those verses again. It says, since children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. And then verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like them. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. The writer to the Hebrews, the person who wrote this letter, is saying, he, Jesus, became fully human. Some people will tell you, well, Jesus was kind of like half human, half ghost. Or some people might even say, you know, Jesus was just a spirit, like like Casper the friendly ghost. He just floated around. But the truth is, Jesus became, the, the truth is God was human in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name was Jesus. God came in the person of his son, because God willed that we be redeemed, that we be saved. Redeemed is just being saved from your sins. And since God willed that we be redeemed, he made himself our redeemer. Since man had sinned against God, some man, fully human man, had to bear the weight of the penalty. I'll explain it like this. Imagine you're going to visit England, right? You're going to visit England. And... Um, you're going to go into Buckingham Palace, but you're a little hungry first. They, they allow people to visit Buckingham Palace when the queen's not there. Um, but you're a little hungry. So you go to a convenience store, and you go over, and you pick, um, yeah, the chocolate. You pick the chocolate, because chocolate's a good choice, right? You pick out the chocolate, and you take it to the man behind the counter, and he scans it with his little beep thing, and then he says, that'll be two pounds. That'll be two pounds, Right? And then you remember that the British currency is pound sterling, but all you have in your pockets is, is dollars. All you have in your pocket is dollars. You simply cannot pay that man in dollars. He won't take it. The money that you use in, this trans, in that transaction must be the same as what is required for the payment. You cannot pay, even though it translates, it, the, the exchange rate works, you cannot pay $3 for something that costs two pounds. In the same way, 
Jesus had to become man. Jesus had to be fully human with his head and shoulders, knees and toes. His knees and toes, just like we are. But why does the writer make that point? It's important, we can see, because verse 18, since he was tempted while he was human, so he knows how to, when we are tempted, to help us. When we're tempted, we can look to Jesus. But what's more important is that Jesus suffered the ultimate suffering, the ultimate requirement that God demands of all humans. It was the same currency. Humans, flesh and blood for flesh and blood, fully human in every way. But if you notice, he also says that, the writer also says that he had to be made like them. So before he was made like you and I, he was something else. He was God. Why is that important? Well, it's important because only God can perfectly obey the law. Only God can bear the wrath of God. Only God can free from the curse, from the curse of sin and death. And only God can apply the fruits of what he did on the cross to our record, to the, apply the fruits of his accomplished work to those who accept him by faith. So Jesus was fully man, and yet he was also fully God. He had to be human. Those are the specific means of Christmas. I, we could open a hundred presents. We could go to a million Christmas parties. We could try and drink many, many gallons of eggnog. But we must remember that 2,000 years ago, God appeared in the flesh. Those are the, those are the specific means of Christmas. So we've talked about um, the distinct people. Christmas is for a distinct people. It happened through, a dis- through specific means. And lastly, Christmas exists for a certain result. Certain result. And I mean a certain result in the, the sense of certain being it's a specific result, but it's also a result that we can be sure of. A certain, we're sure of this result. Okay? The verses one more time. Christ came into the world that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And, later on in verse 17, Christ came into the world, Jesus, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Friends, this is, this is the part that we don't often seem to connect, or I often forget about at Christmas. Jesus Christ, Jesus Nazareth, as we sometimes call him, Jesus was born by the Virgin Mary, born to the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem for a specific reason. He came for a specific reason. That reason, the writer to the Hebrews says, was to die. That through his death, he might fear us from, free us from fearing death. And he, he was born and then he was born to die that through his death he might make atonement for the sin 
of the people. And atonement, now atonement is, is the work Christ did in his life and death to earn our, earn our salvation. See, his life and death were necessary. Jesus had to be born. I mean, Jesus, he probably, he, he lived and he worked. He, he probably wore sandals and ate and drank and slept. Jesus was a human. And he also died so that we might have atonement or Sometimes I describe it at one meant with God, right? Because of his death, our sin is no longer counted against us. His birth was necessary for our life. And his death was necessary for our forgiveness. There's many, many ways that you can look at atonement. But I'll describe it just this one. Just this one way, okay? Two brothers... We're playing by the sandbanks on a river. One ran up after another um, to a large, the top of a large sandbank. Unfortunately, they realized at the top of that sandbank, the sand wasn't actually solid. And they began to quickly sink in. Their weight caused them to sink in. When they didn't come home for dinner, the family and friends organized a search party. They, they, they found the younger brother unconscious, buried in the sand with his head and shoulders sticking out, sticking up above it. When they cleared the sand down to his waist, he woke up, he awakened, and they, they asked him, where is your brother? The, searchers, the, the child replied, I'm standing on his shoulders. With the sacrifice of his own life, the older brother lifted the younger to safety. The tangible love of the older brother literally served as a foundation for the younger brother's life. The analogy will break down. But friends, friends, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is, this is why. That no one need be destroyed. But by believing in him, by believing in Jesus, anyone can have whole and lasting life. God didn't go to the trouble of sending Jesus into the world to just point an accusing finger and and tell us and tell the world how how bad it is. No, he, Jesus, God's son, came as a man. Those are the specific means. uh, As a man for the certain result so that he could pay for our sins by his death on the cross and then we might have life in him. I mean, Ivan Rest, don't you see? Don't you see? Christ was born to die. That's why he was born. And he died so that we might live. Sin does not count against us and we are free from death. And you we just cannot I'm reminding us again, but we just can't go through that Christmas season without having Calvary in our focus as well. We cannot understand the mystery of Jesus, uh, God becoming flesh, the incarnation without seeing the grace and the crucifixion and the resurrection. As the song says, in Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid 
here in the death of Christ. I live. August 14th, 1945 was a momentous day. It changed the world. So it was the 20th of July, 1969, when men walked on the face of the moon. So it was September 11th when the world, when America was attacked. But the day that Jesus Christ was born into this world so that we might die and might have life again, that that is the most important. That's what just happened. That's the reason for Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for blessing us richly with your word. And we thank you again that you remind us just one more time of the gift of Jesus Christ. The gift that we celebrate at Christmas of Jesus coming into the world. You remind us that I sent him into the world so that you might have life and have life fully. So God, as we leave and as we exit out of this Christmas season, may we, may we just remember and look forward to the gift of Jesus and Easter and what happens there too. Pray that you would, you would continue to speak to us through your word and remind us um, that we are a distinct people and Christ came for us. Thank you, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last song that we are going to sing is In Christ Alone. Will you stand with me and sing?